and welcome to I Love It, Don't You, the podcast where friends share with friends whether they like it or not. I'm Kim. I'm Janelle. And I'm Elizabeth. This week, we are talking about one of my favorite shows, Sports Night. A little background about Sports Night. It was Aaron Sorkin's first show. It was on from 1998 to 2000 and was only two seasons long. During the second season, Aaron Sorkin was also writing The West Wing. It's a half-hour format opposed to a lot of his other shows, which are hour-long formats. It takes place at a sports show, like a sports center type show. It's the behind the scenes of that. Your cast is the anchors, Dan Rydell and Casey McCall. Dan Rydell is played by Josh Charles, who went on to play in The Good Wife as Will Gardner. He's also appeared in Masters of Sex, Inside Amy Schumer, and Wet Hot American Summer. Uh, Casey McCall, who's the other anchor, he is played by Peter Krause and was in Six Feet Under, Dirty Sexy Money, Parenthood, and is currently on The Chase, which is the new Shonda Rhimes show. Dana Whitaker is the executive producer, and she's played by Felicity Huffman, who went on later to be in Desperate Housewives and currently is on the TV show American Crime. Natalie Hurley is the senior producer for Sports Night, and she's played by Sabrina Lloyd, who was in Sliders and has had guest roles in Ed and Numbers. Jeremy Goodwin, he um, is an associate producer for Sports Night. He's played by Joshua Molina, who was also in The West Wing and currently is on Scandal. He was also in the movie The American President and the play A Few Good Men and also had a brief appearance in the movie A Few Good Men. He's known Aaron Sorkin for years and Aaron Sorkin's given him his uh, break and plays movies and TV. So he appears in a lot of his shows and different things. Isaac Jaffe is the managing editor of Sports Night and is played by Robert Gulamy. I can't pronounce his last name. I'm sorry. Um, But he played Benson on um, the TV show Benson. And also on Soap, which was, um, Benson was a spinoff from Soap, which I didn't know until I looked that up. I did know of Benson, which aired from 1979 to 1986. So Janelle and Elizabeth have probably never heard of it. No. Um, No. But actually, when the promos for Sports Night came on, it was because of Benson that I wanted to tune in because I recognized Benson. So I wanted to see what this new show was that had him in it. The show also has a big ensemble cast. They have uh, a couple other associate producers, which are Kim and Elliot. And then they have the tech people, which are Chris, Dave, and Will. That's kind of a brief overview of the show. So let's turn to, I want to hear Janelle's thoughts first. Because naturally, Elizabeth and I have been texting a little back and forth. We You're watched not supposed together. to do no, that. No, that's how Elizabeth and I watch TV no. shows. We yeah. can't not do this. Oh, I have to share my feelings with someone. What were your first impressions, um, Janelle? My first impression was, oh no, because I was having like these war flashbacks. Wow, that's going to sound really bad now. I was having these flashbacks to when I watched MASH for the first time. Um, and times so brief story like my family went and stayed with my great aunt and uncle for like a week one time and our little tradition that we started then was watching mash like five episodes every night and I hated it so much because I could not understand them for the life of me I may talk fast now somewhat not so much on the podcast but in general but that doesn't mean that I could always do that and I couldn't always understand quick <laughs> quick uh, speaking. Mm-hmm. So when it came to this show and the first episode opens up and they're like throwing these random words about sports and these like scores and this 
TV behind the scenes terminology about, hey, we're going to cut to 25 and this and 34 and da 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 da. And I'm like, I feel like I'm at an auction. What do I do with this? And and thank God for closed captioning. Yes. Um, <laughs> My mom did used to get stressed out when she would watch the show because they talked so fast and because so of fast. like the pace of the behind the scenes and stuff. My mom yeah. likes the show, but she would get stressed out from watching it. I, I like the pace of the show, like that it's fast, but I had the same problem as Janelle. And when yeah. Kim and I were watching it, I was like, can we turn on closed captions? And I couldn't figure it out yeah. on the TV, so no, we couldn't. But I ended up watching, I finished the second season, so I watched everything, and I, I did have to do closed captions. So. Well, that also explains like why years later when I started watching Gilmore Girls, and people would be like, it's hard for me to watch. They just talk so fast. And I was just like, what are you talking about? Right. Because it didn't seem fast to me because... This was one of my favorite shows, and it never really registered to me that they were talking super fast. Well, I think a, a big part of it for me is not so much that they talk fast. It's that they talk fast, and they talk about things that I don't understand anyway. I mean, if this was about nerdy fandoms and the sci-fi universe and throwing out spaceship names or something like that, I could probably track pretty well. But no, no, no. You threw me into uncharted territory. <laughs> so closed captioning was, was my savior for sure. But did you like it or did you not like it? I really disliked the first three episodes, especially. Okay. After that, I warmed up. But a big thing was I didn't feel attached to any of the characters at all in the first three episodes. Um, That's fair. I don't feel massively attached to any of them at all, but the first three, they just kind of ticked me off because they spoke so quickly that I felt like I was trying... I felt like the new kid, you know, in a classroom trying to remember everybody's names. That's and it was really like... Okay. Yeah, it was like I finally... I, I couldn't attach to anybody because everybody talked so fast and they had their own universe that they were so enveloped in. I had to like sit on the sidelines and with like a notebook, not literally because I'm not that motivated, and figure out each... Like I got a new name every day and was like, okay, nerdy guy is Jeremy. Nerdy Jeremy, nerdy Jeremy, nerdy Jeremy. I love Jeremy. Jeremy. I love Jeremy. So I did not know if I was going to like him at first. He He seemed like he might be a deal breaker, honestly, in the first episode. After that, I was fine, but okay. it was painfully awkward in the first. Did you come to like any, like, I mean, I know you didn't get attached to any, but if you had to have, like a character. I don't know. I mean, I don't, there's nobody that I dislike except for the people that you're supposed, supposed to, to dislike. Like the, the producer or whomever from the other um, mm. sports show, the 2 mm. o'clock, 2 a.m. sports show. I don't remember what her name is, but Sally. 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 That is such Sally. a crappy name for it, too. <laughs> and, and I actually would like to talk Sally. about her a little bit later, maybe a little bit more okay. depthly. But I have thoughts on her, but I want to finish getting like y'all's first thoughts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know who I like the most. I mean, they all just, they, I don't know. I, re I mean, I'd like Casey a lot, but you're supposed to like Casey a lot. So that makes sense. I like the relationship between Natalie and Jeremy. Yes. Um, each okay. on their own, I really don't care about them, but them together when they interact, I like that makes me like them more. Yes. I like Isaac probably um, a lot, and then I guess um, I'm uh, Casey's co-anchor's name is Dan. Dan, yeah. Sorry. Those are if I have to choose, don't ask me to choose between them because I don't feel strongly about any of them. But those those yeah. are probably the ones I like the best. Okay, that that's all fair. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth, what, what are your first thoughts? My first thoughts, I liked it. I do think that 
overall, I think Sorkin's better when he has more time with his characters, you know, because he does have, like, big messages that he wants to send and then trying to condense those into these small episodes, I think didn't always work very well, but I did love the characters. So you like his hour-long shows better than his half-hour show? I do, yeah. And I love Jeremy. Okay, with the moment when he gave that speech about the deer, how upset he was about the deer dying. Like, I loved it, but at the same time, when he was describing how he held out the Twinkie so the deer would come out, I didn't know, like, I was expecting people to laugh, like, in the audience. Like, I know what Sorkin was going for. I don't think he intended it to be funny, but it was so... Just the picture of Jeremy holding out this Twinkie for a deer was so funny to me. It's just... I don't know. Sorkin can be really dramatic sometimes, and so, and sometimes I think he walks the line of being, at least in that speech, he walked the line of being a little absurd, yeah. even though I loved it. Oh, I loved the, the, more than, like, the relationships, I love the friendships that he created, like, between Casey and Dan, and between uh, Dana and Natalie. It was really nice. The friendships are one of the things I think he does very well. The relationships, me and you have talked about this, he doesn't do relationships very well and mm-hmm. I think it's kind of glaringly obvious in Sports Night like the more I watch it I love Dana and Casey and I do but there's definitely some missteps with them and the strongest to me is when they're just being friends and just being there for each other mm-hmm. and that's what makes me love them and makes me want them want to see them as a couple but anytime I feel like he actually had an episode focusing on will they get together what their relationship status is it wasn't one of the stronger points yeah and sometimes I felt like I was be- being beaten over the head with it just being told by Natalie over and over again that I had to root for Dana and Casey mm-hmm. it was just a little too much for me so I guess it was a lot easier for me to like Natalie and Jeremy to be invested in them. See, Natalie and Jeremy, I'm fine with, but I don't have any like huge feelings about them. Sometimes they annoy me together. I like all the characters except for JJ and, you know, the ones that come in and you don't, you're not supposed to like. Jeremy and Natalie are probably my least two favorites. Really? Interesting. Yes. Like together and separate? Together and separate. Interesting. Really? My favorite is probably, probably Isaac. Okay snarky older wise man like I just love that (laughs) that character in general and then Casey is probably one of my other favorites although Casey definitely has some things I don't like about him Mm -hmm. he definitely um has well his whole pompous thinks he's better than everybody like gets on my nerves sometimes Mm. comes out a little in the first 10 episodes I think but it comes out later on in episodes Mm that annoys me sometimes I just want to smack him but he is still one of my favorites uh Dana is probably my other favorite and Dan with Casey like I love the two of them together and that's probably my favorite part of the show is Dan with Casey Mm -hmm. I love all the characters I even love you know the lesser characters Kim and Elliot okay I want to go back to something Janelle said where she felt said she felt kind of like on the sidelines like when she was watching it and sometimes I think that Sorkin writes the, his characters, like, they're all the smartest person in the room, or they're all trying to be the smartest person in the room. Right. Just, like, little things. I know his grammar jokes, but it's also just, like, another way for, like, the characters to, like, prove to each other that they're... Not that they're trying to do that. Right, no, but, but I... prove that they're smarter. I, I definitely like that. think that is... Sorkin likes to write smart characters. Yeah. He loved, like, he loves to do that. And I think, um... 
Jeremy in the episode Dear Louise when he's telling his sister about Dana. And he says, she got her love of sports from her father and six brothers, one of whom plays for the Denver Broncos. She got her education from a series of exclusive all-girls schools that her mother insisted she attend so that she wouldn't grow up to be like her father and six brothers. The result is an irresistible combination of brilliance inside the office and something a little less than brilliance outside of it. And that last sentence, I feel like, is the prototype for every single Aaron Sorkin character, just about. Yes. Mm -hmm. Is they are brilliant at their job. They know what they're talking about. They are one of the smartest kids in the classroom, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But you take them outside of their job. Right. And they don't know what they're doing. Which I love watching characters who do not w know what they're doing in their personal lives. Right. You, you see that in Sports Night. You see that in West Wing. You see that in Newsroom. Um, these are people who are brilliant at what they do, but they just don't know how to re have relationships, which is why they need to have relationships with each other, because nobody else would put up with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I want to talk about um, the poker game uh, okay. episode. And I like the poker game episode, but the ending between Jeremy and Natalie was so confusing to me. Mm -hmm. I was like, what is going Very on? Mm -hmm. I was like, is this supposed to be romantic? I don't understand. And then I realized that Sorkin did intend for it to be romantic. And I'm like, I don't think he understands. I just didn't. It was a mess. Right. And I really, and there's something about the moment that made me feel so uncomfortable mm -hmm. when Jeremy wins it makes me feel so uncomfortable for some reason. Yeah. Or just even his speech makes me feel uncomfortable. Right, the fact that like he used this as a metaphor that she's not believing him at all like and doesn't trust him. And it's showing that all, all her other relationships were crap. It's like, no, that's just... Yeah, yeah, it felt like he was kind of like tearing her down a little. Right. Just so, yeah. To show, hey, look what amazing guy I am. Yeah. And you've had horrible choices in the past. And it's like, no. <laughs> no. I think the message was supposed to be, you can and should trust me. Yes. But it turned into, like you said, how great do I look compared. Right. Right. And, and shame on you. Yeah. It kind of, it did feel kind of that way. It like, was shame very on shameful. You. And I felt, I, I felt really conflicted about this one too, because I was like, he's really staking bad A while he's doing this because he's showing how smart he is and how how he, you know, can play poker so well and that wraps into the intelligent nature of his character. And so I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. But at the same time, you're dominating your woman and I don't know how I feel about that. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't know about you guys, but I felt like Jeremy was in the wrong. So then for him to win that argument and totally dominate over her felt like really not good. Yeah. yeah. Unless there was a pre-established characteristic of their relationship that Natalie was being super overbearing. Well, see, but there actually, wasn't. I was going to say, like, and that, and this is one thing I think Sorkin doesn't do well, too. Like, just the episode before, they just established they were a couple. Mm -hmm. And so now we're having this fight. It also could have been, like, he didn't realize they were that serious that he had to tell mm -hmm. her. Yeah. You know, so, like, because to me, we went from one episode to another where they're in a fight of a pretty serious couple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they weren't before that. I feel like it was written to be funny. And while I'm I like... I was a little bit offended by I'm it for some yeah, reason. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm I'm all for comedy and using comedy to break the tension of a scene. But don't do it at the sacrifice or risk. I don't know what word I'm looking for. But at the... Detriment. To, yeah, yeah, there we go. At the detriment of your scene, of the plot, of everything. Like, that took it from being 
hey, a couple has established new ground to, hey, a couple hasn't established anything because now they know they have an out. If you just offer sex sexily to the other one, right? then, hey, they're going to cave. Well, and for me, okay, that episode is one of my favorites, but I kind of just dismissed that whole storyline. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. again, Jeremy and Natalie, not my favorites. <laughs> Jeremy and Natalie together, not my favorites. And there's so much amazingness in that episode that, like, I just kind of... There's a little bit funny back and forth for some of those scenes, and I focus more on that than I do really on that storyline because I don't really like that storyline. It is kind of gross. Yeah. More so, like, when they're fighting in the control room and the tech guys are back there going back and forth. That's funny to me, and I focus more on that little banter than I do really on what's being said because I don't really like what's being said. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. I understand writing off certain things so you can still write. Yeah. <laughs> I totally do that. Yeah. That same episode this is going to move away a little bit from our point but that same episode ties into one of my weaknesses for this show okay and you kind of touched on this kim that one feels really out of place it's like they jumped forward in time like a few months Mm -hmm. but they didn't Mm -hmm. because you go from natalie and uh jeremy not really having established their relationship too awful much To them having, like you said, a serious fight. Well, to me, my favorite episode, I think, I think, I don't know. My favorite episode, though, um, is probably the one where Jeremy is writing the letter to his sister. That is such a good episode because it gives so much exposition and and actually kind of takes some time and slows down to let you get a look at everybody's daily life. I like not seeing them while the show is actually in progress of being made and seeing them all together during that time. I think that's cool. But at the same time, it feels really weird that that was towards the end of the 10 episodes that we watched. To me, that seems like an episode that should be like second or third because it has so much exposition that would have been very helpful in attaching to the characters much earlier in the show. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like one that you naturally would have thought of to make. If you were going to make it at all, you would think that you would place it at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So that was just super strange for me. Oh, yeah, sorry, one more thought. Especially because that would be a way of establishing that Jeremy is still on the outside, but is looking in and is being accepted. Because you go from the first episode, from the pilot or whatever, when he's hired and he's awkward, to the very next episode where, I mean, he's he's always awkward, but it's almost like he's already a part of the family. And not that that's not possible in a workplace situation, but it, it still feels like he should... He shouldn't be completely one of us yet, you know? And I think the trend that we're already seeing in our podcast here is if it's romance in a Sorkin show, or at least this Sorkin show, it logic kind of tends to go out the window on a lot of things. Right, which one I yeah. mentioned earlier, Sorkin doesn't do romance. Yeah, lot. yeah. Like, he doesn't. Like, he, he doesn't in the newsroom. Like, mm-mm. the best couple in the newsroom is the one that just kind of came naturally. And even that, he does a big misstep in the first season to me. Yeah. Sorkin, there's some great couples in Sorkin shows, but there's also like. It's just moments where you're like. And sometimes, yeah, (laughs) sometimes even like your favorite couples, it's like, why? Why is that happening? Like, (laughs) like, is that, was that a romantic moment? Okay. (laughs) Like, he, yeah, he doesn't, he does friendship well. He does work environments that become family well. He does Mm. witty banter well. He does all that stuff well. I do not think he does romance real well. Yeah. 
back to shoe money tonight the poker one <laughs> that episode has one of the weirdest sorkin lines ever oh yeah which is when dana and casey are talking about sally and about the 2 a.m show and Casey is saying that he thinks that Dana has a problem with Sally because she's attractive and flirts with Casey and whatever. And he says, well, her legs do go all the way to the floor. <laughs> I'm sorry. Most people, I don't, you know, unless if something's wrong, your legs do go all the way to the floor. That is what legs are. I don't understand why Aaron Sorkin had to tell us what legs were. Like, that makes no sense to me. And it's not the only show yeah. Of his, that that line comes out. It's in the West Wing. I want to say Josh says it about Amy, but I could be wrong on that. Mm -hmm. But it is in the West Wing, too. And I just want to know, what kind of weird, freaky women have these people been meeting? Yeah, what is that? They levitate. <laughs> All the way to the floor. I don't, I don't understand that. And I get that he's probably trying to say she has very nice, long legs. But that's, <laughs> that's a weird way to say it. A very, very strange way to say it. Yeah. What? Is her, are her legs going to go to the ceiling? I just don't understand. <laughs> well, they're, according to Google, there is a phrase that says legs that go all the way up. So he might be all um, the way up. All the way it, up. It still doesn't make a lot of sense. So um, I think that might be sexual in nature. Well, yes. I would. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, I understand. So, <laughs> so maybe Sorkin thinks that he's being empowering by saying that her legs go to oh, the like floor instead of going all the way up. I don't know, maybe, but I just feel well, like Well, we've established how he can't do romantic that's things. That's true. Therefore. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, but that is just one of like the strangest lines and it's just like what? I I thought shoe money tonight was just strange enough too. The way that she just yells it every uh, time. Shoe <laughs> money tonight! I just find that funny. I mean, it is funny, but it's, like, kind of bizarre, too. And in a way, though, I really like that about Dana because she never, like, really caught my attention. Like, I, I mean, yeah, she's cool. She has her moments. But, like, I never really cared about her because you only see the one, like, professional side most of the time, or she's yelling at Casey. But I thought that was kind of fun to see her just say this really off-the-wall kind of saying and yell it about poker, of all things. Like, that was pretty funny. Mm -hmm. So as weird as I think that line is, I think it fits her. Mm -hmm. Because she would be strange when she's having fun, because she does everything else all the time. Right. Well, and I think you see a little bit more of her outside of work as season one goes on. Mm. Okay, one of my other favorite episodes in the episodes that we watched was Thespis. What are y'all's thoughts on Thespis? Which was the Thanksgiving one. Yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed it. Like, I thought it's funny. Oh, ha, 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 ghost is plaguing the place. But it's like, Dana is all business. I don't think she would buy into Thespis that easily. Like, she went from being a person that I would think would be totally skeptical to, like, in it really quickly <laughs> i mean i don't know i because she was you know questioning it or whatever and then she falls flat on her face mm -hmm. so i feel like yep. and i feel like in shows and stuff like that they are going to be a little superstitious mm -hmm. so i didn't it wasn't that hard for me to buy that then like they kind of bought into this or whatever because she's sitting there watching her show just devolve into craziness and for yeah. me i guess i didn't think that hard on it like i just i'm in this world i just love this world so i buy it Mm -hmm. For me, like, this is an episode that Sorkin does where 
one of the things I think he does do well, where he does the absurd and ridiculous, which is what the uh, mm. that storyline is, with the more serious. We've got Isaac having had a fight with his wife, his daughter is having problems with her pregnancy. That stuff is going on. Yeah. We've got Dan and Casey are having a fight, being played for humorous, but also is very serious too. And so this episode is one the one of the things I think he does well and where he's playing the ridiculous and the absurd. And so that's what I look at that storyline for. So I don't really I never really overtly analyzed it to sit there and say, Oh, I don't think Dana would do that like would buy into it like that. Yeah. I don't know. It just cracks me up like the freaking turkey falling I was in the light thinking red. About that, yeah. And then <laughs> nothing messes up on this show unless I mess it up. Mm-hmm. Y- you hear that? Or something like that. And then a giant turkey falls to the, yeah. the desk. It's just hilarious to me. Oh, it totally is. I'm not saying that I don't like it. It just, it felt like really rushed for me to mm-hmm. buy it. You know? What do you think about it, Elizabeth? I liked it. For some reason, a lot of those moments aren't standing out to me. The turkey. I remember the turkey. I'm wondering, which was the episode where Dan got writer's block? That was Dear Louise. Okay. Like, I loved that bit with Natalie trying to get him to stop this writer's block. Was that in the tent? Yeah, that was in the tent. Oh, my gosh. And then when she throws water on him, I just love it so much. It's one of my favorite moments. um, It was surprising and unexpected. (laughs) That might be some of my favorite Natalie moments. Yeah. Yeah, no, I really like the the writer's block storyline. Definitely. What did you think of the of Dan's apology? I think in the second episode, it's like he said something about marijuana. Mm-hmm. He now has to go and apologize on air. He ends up apologizing to his younger brother who mm-hmm. smoked pot because he wanted to be like his big brother. Dan got in a car, got in a car accident, and he apologized. You know makes that apology any thoughts i really i really liked it especially since throughout the whole episode they were kept asking who is he going to apologize to Mm -hmm. like and Mm -hmm. i never really thought that he would take something from his past so it surprised me and Um, because in the conversation in isaac's office they're sitting there saying you know you said that you stopped 11 years ago today only an mm-hmm. addict has that ad, and so within his apology, we find out why he stopped eleven years ago today. It's because his brother died eleven years ago today. For me, like that that storyline like chokes me up every single time. Like mm-hmm. it is. That was another one of my issues with the the first several episodes. It does the comedy really well, and it does the drama really well. But for the first few episodes. Like, I enjoyed both parts of those. But for the first few episodes, it feels like the first 15 minutes are dedicated to comedy, and then the last 15 minutes are dedicated to be super drama. Mm. It, it didn't feel like things transitioned well. That one especially. With the half-hour format for Sorkin, he doesn't do... In any Sorkin show, you're going to have Sorkin messages. They're just... He sees mm-hmm. the world Sorkinism. a certain way... And he's, he sees it idealistically, and he's going to have his Sorkin messages. Mm-hmm. It works really well in the West Wing, which is set in a political environment, so those don't feel so out of place. Sports night, they feel a little yeah. out of place sometimes. So I don't necessarily always see it as, like, half and half, but I do see, like, the first five episodes especially seem very message heavy mm-hmm. yeah and it doesn't work as well in sports night as it does in west wing west wing is the show it worked the best in all of his other shows the environment doesn't work as well for it 
you can get away with it a little bit more in newsroom than you can in sports night, I think. Yeah. But it doesn't work as well as it did in West Wing. And also yeah. because he has a longer time. He's a man that has a lot to, that he wants to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it also helps with the pacing to mm-hmm. also have more time. Yeah, you know? definitely. He definitely improved as the season went on. I'm okay with having the morality be kind of the center of things. It's just when there's not really a good transition or a good way of mixing the plot lines Mm -hmm. in with the morality. It feels like it's very contrived, I think is the word I'm Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm. Um, But once you start to get to know the characters a little more and it's written a little better so that things blend together, I think it worked really well. Right. But then on the other hand, there are some episodes where that worked really well like the one, I, I don't remember the name of it, but the one where Natalie is sent to go interview the football player. Mary Pat Shelby. Oh, yeah. That's his name? That's the episode name. Okay. I was oh. like, <laughs> yeah, I was like what? not his name. <laughs> no, it was, um, I don't even remember. But... It, it makes sense that, like, it would have these side plot lines and then, boom, this major thing happens and then everybody drops it. And I really liked seeing how everybody came to her aid immediately. That's actually probably one of my, not one of my favorite episodes. I, yeah, it's not mine either, but I, I liked seeing that reaction mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. But then when you find out the sliminess that was going on behind it, and this is one of the reasons why I really kind of don't care about Dana is that she was the reason why all of that Mm -hmm. happened Mm -hmm. and it it shows you a little bit about how cutthroat Dana can be because she specifically sent I mean Natalie's like a tiny girl too Mm -hmm. sent her to a male's locker room because she knew about how this uh, football player felt about women right Mm -hmm. that's completely unethical and as soon as Dana admits that, I'm kind of like, mm, you kind of shouldn't have a job anymore. Mm-hmm. You should it was really probably hard. not be right. working. Mm-hmm. I, you should be like Natalie could suit you. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that was hard to swallow about that episode was the end scene where Natalie confronts him alone in a hallway, mm-hmm. isolated. Mm-hmm. Right. Confronts the football player. Not realistic at all. I was like, what is going on? Like, what? Right. Like, that's not something. You don't do that. Like, you do. It doesn't. It's just, I felt like it was just one of those things that Sorkin messed up on or someone mm-hmm. messed up on. Right. It just really did not feel right. If she was going to confront him and be, like, all empowered how she was, I think there would have needed to have been her friends behind her. Yeah. Right. But it's, I mean, people, she's coming down after this happened not even 24 hours, you know, ago. And she's almost been raped. And it's not realistic. It's not how things happen in life that she could just walk up and be like, hey, I'm all sassy and I'm telling you how I'm going to serve you an arrest warrant. Right. No. 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 Maybe if you had Dana behind you and your other friends. And you know what? I think it would have been a better scene if everybody was behind her. Like if Mm -hmm. it had been in their offices, you know, where all the cubicles are and like it had been her and then everyone was behind her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been a better scene. Right. Maybe it would have been like cheesy or whatever. I don't care. Like just don't. Mm -hmm. That's a weird way to play out that scene. Right. I just don't understand where that. Yeah. It just had me cringing and had me worried. And Mm -hmm. it's like. Do you think he was. Sorry. No, I mean, I'm trying to think, because I, yeah, I just, I hate that incident. Do you think he was trying to, like, drum up tension by doing that? Because if he was, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. That's just that's to me just one of those Sorkin missteps that yeah. I just can't even like. You won't be able it. to puzzle it. Like yeah. you'll never be able to figure it out. I mean, I almost feel like he just like ran across that part of the set and was like, "Oh, that looks cool," because it does. It's very like visually appealing. Yeah. But not for that part of the story. That makes no sense. Right. Like if this was maybe months later and she had gone through inner turmoil and had like reclaimed being you know her own person and everything maybe then that that location would work but not for the day after right that leads me to another point that's really nothing to do with what we were just talking about Mm -hmm. but fire away um does anybody understand the layout of the offices and studio (laughs) because i have watched this show for years and i have no idea where anything is in location to each other i'm so confused by it yeah yeah come to think of it where was that extremely dark hallway in this really really bright building and we never see it again do we do we ever see that place again i think uh jeremy and casey have a talk about the pole Yeah, the the boat, pole. The, there's a internet poll in later seasons that who's cooler, Dan or mm-hmm. Casey? Mm-hmm. And Casey had stayed up all night voting for himself, <laughs> and so he was like he winning. Would. It was like 150, like to 12 or something, or six. And so Dan was just going crazy. <laughs> the internet was so slow, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> 98 man. <laughs> so so Dan was going crazy because he's like. It's not that you want to win. It's that you won't admit you want to win. So Dan was being driven crazy. So Casey talked to Jeremy and got him to set up a way that his computer would just keep voting for him over and over (laughs) again. And, like, it just, like, voted for him so many times each second or whatever. And just ridiculously he beat Dan. It was pretty funny. (laughs) But they have that conversation back there, I believe. Or in another, like, weird Dark place. And I'm going to guess that that's kind of, like, behind the set. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I think that that's what would be my guess. Yeah. I, or I, I here's was... how I imagine it. I imagine Dan and Casey's office in this corner. And then there's the cubicles. And then somewhere out there is the conference room. Maybe next to Dan and Casey. I... And then, like, across the office is the studio. I don't know. Well, they film it in front of a live studio audience. So mm-hmm. I would assume that that studio would be on its own room entire or on, own floor and then all the offices and everything are on a different floor in this building uh-huh. because you can't have audience coming up and past your offices to get to your studio so it wouldn't be laid out how it'd be technically supposed to be being laid out then i don't know do they ever like, show anybody walking straight the whole way um, see i remember they do do some walk and talk there was one which in, um and I know that there's laugh tracks and stuff. Is it in front of a studio audience? Because I actually don't know that it... I meant to look this up. Because I'm not sure if it is or not. There's definitely laughter that you hear. It's weird. Um, and, like, I'm so glad that they got rid of that in, like, season two. It's just not meant to be in front... I don't think Sorghum's meant to be in front of an audience, a studio audience, no. or, like, have I, laugh track. For some reason, I don't think they were, but I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think they were for the pilot. Or at least they maybe they played it for people and then filmed their reactions. I don't know. Because I actually took a note about that. The laugh track or whatever seems the strongest in the pilot. And it did not match up with the humor. That was my one thing watching the pilot that I actually didn't feel guilty about. Was that I could tell everybody else was having a hard time too. Because the joke would happen and a couple seconds later everybody would be laughing. Like, you had to catch up. And I'm like, uh, it's not just fast for me. Yeah. 
So, and with how much laughter there was and that it was delayed, I think at least the pilot was probably done studio okay. style. Because they do do some walk and talks. Mm-hmm. From um, Isaac's office. From Isaac's office, that. from Dan and Casey's office to different things. So they do do walk and talks, which is what Sorkin kind of becomes known for in West Wing, but he's it, but it is being done on Sports Night too. Tommy Schlamy was the director a lot for West Wing and Sports Night. Them together created that, or maybe more Tommy Schlamy created it. Like, I feel like the set would have had to kind of be continuous and wouldn't have been able to be in front of a studio audience but i really don't know look that up i'm curious um maybe we'll post that online when we find out i love that we spent like five minutes on talking about the layout (laughs) of the show because this bothers me this has bothered me for years so if somebody out there has a nice drawing of the layout please (laughs) please let us know yeah on twitter so sally i feel like i don't completely hate Sally mainly because mm-hmm. I feel like Sally reminds me of Amy. Oh, from um, from West, West Wing. Wing. She's more of a plot device than a fleshed out character. Yeah. I have a hard time hating her because I just don't feel like she's a real portrait of a person. Like, yeah. if that makes sense. Like, she is brought in to be slimy? Not necessarily <laughs> slimy. Because that's all I get from her. She's not portrayed very well at the beginning. And I kind of don't like that. I mean, it's kind of off-putting to me. Like, um, she, she's brought in to be a jealous point between Dan, not Dan, between Dana and Casey. And that, to me, is the only role that she serves, really. And it just, so I just feel like that's one of those Sorkin missteps for me, is that entire character. Yeah. And so, like, I can't hate her because I don't think that she's, been developed enough and it's just not fair to that character yeah yeah and also they i do think i don't i don't remember when this was but i do think that dana and sally have a nice moment when i think it's at the end of season one sally has slept with dana's fiance and she's also been sleeping with casey for a few months now dana finds out and she goes and confronts sally and she's like she's just so angry and she says something really mean to her and then Dana is like, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't mean that. Like, I'm sorry. And they just have this, like, nice moment between them, which I like. Because I like it when women get along and that we do- when we don't hate each other. Well, and also, like, because Sally and Casey's relationship, Casey just uses her completely yeah. and utterly. Sally, like, it's not okay with her, but she doesn't know. I don't know if she doesn't think she deserves better or what. She just lets him do this to her. Mm -hmm. She lets him just sleep with her when he wants to. She, you know, she tells Dana in that conversation, I don't think Casey likes me very much. Yeah. And that's so sad to hear. Right. Yeah. So I think that's, and that's also why, like, I don't just hate her is because you do see a more vulnerable side. Like, she's brought in to be this character to cause uh, conflict and tension. I don't think it's fair, like, to just, like, lay that all on her. So I feel like Sally is just a character brought in just for the tension. Gordon, pretty much you could say the same thing about it, too, but it doesn't annoy... Gordon... I don't like Gordon. I, he's one of the characters I do hate. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel bad hating Gordon. Why Why is it I don't feel bad hating Gordon, but because, Sally, I do? Well, Gordon... Um... Okay, well, but I, I feel, feel I dislike Gordon because um, he's using two great women. Like, he uses Sally, and then he also uses Dana. And um, he doesn't, uh, okay, maybe calling Sally a great woman might be a stretch according to the show, but it's still unfair. And, I mean, he's just sleazy. 
So, okay. And Gor, do, do you know who Gordon is? Yeah, I know okay. Gordon, Gordon, um, because he and Casey have their little spats, which I think were kind of funny, at least. Oh, yeah. No, I, I enjoy, especially the one, like, where Casey's giving him a hard time about them not uh, getting a conviction for whatever guy who said, oh, yeah. I did it, I did it, I killed him, or whatever. <laughs> and then, like, Gordon being like, you know are you involved in that office pool? <laughs> like what, you know, yeah. like that, the back and forth. I enjoy the back and forth, but Gordon. Okay. So how, what are your feelings towards Gordon? Because after the 12 episodes or whatever that you've seen. Well, he's only been in like two or three. Mm-hmm. The one thing that hinted to me, cause he's presented pretty neutrally. Like he's, he's shown as like a normal everyday guy in the episodes that I've seen, except for one statement in that little back and forth that you were just talking about. I think that one was hilarious the where Casey is just like I don't think it's it's realistic at all cuz I don't think normal people talk to other people that way. Normal people but, don't talk the way any Sorkin character yeah, talk. Yeah. But the fact that Gordon's like so how about we just leave the the prosecuting or whatever this what he said was um to the people who have the post uh postgraduate work. And I was just like, oh. For that, I didn't, like, think of it so much as Gordon showing jerky side. Because that was just more of a callback to Dana giving Casey a hard time about Casey feeling inferior to those who have postgraduate Mm. degrees Mm. earlier. And she names off the degrees that he has. So I feel like she would have told him that. And so he knows that that's kind of a complex of Casey's. So that's a little dig back at him. I don't okay. think I don't think a normal conversation he would just be like, "Oh, the people with the, those degrees." I feel like it was specifically because Dana had told him that Casey okay. has this complex about it. That's mm-hmm. legitimate. I just that's a personal thing. I don't um and I say this as a graduate student, degrees they mean nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I know people that didn't didn't even go to high school that are like way smarter than me. <laughs> So much smarter than me, it's painful. Yeah. So that bugged me. If that is a hint to his character later on, though, I wouldn't be surprised. What so, do you think it is kind of, to sh- at least a little bit, that it, that it shows that he can kind of be a jerk? Or do you think it's I, purely a callback to I what I really Dana think said? it was just more a callback, and Dana has told him this, like, and so it's just another jab at Casey in this back and forth that they're having. Okay, so Janelle. Hmm. Is this a sports show? <laughs> it is a show that uses a lot of sports terms in the background to confuse me. But it's not a sports show. No, that's why I said it's a show that uses right. a lot of sports she terms in the background to confuse me. <laughs> she needs you to hear you say that. <laughs> she um, needs you to hear that. Because, and you're not the first person that has told me, like, here's the name Sports Night, and is like, oh no, sports, bad. But it's very much just the background, and it's... It's not the main point of the show. Like, you can very much watch the show if you don't like sports. Because, yes, like, they might casually mention random things, but it's not the point of the show at all. It just is the environment in which this show takes place. Mm-hmm. Lovely, lovely show. <laughs> Elizabeth, you've already watched the entire show. Yes. Will you ever rewatch it? Yeah, that, I've been thinking about that. And I probably, I don't see myself going back and rewatching it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because I like Sorkin's hour-long shows better than I like this 30-minute mm-hmm. show. But I'm glad that I've watched it now. It's in my 
encyclopedia of pop culture. <laughs> that That's one thing that is curious to me, how a half hour format by Sorkin would be now. Yeah. Because. With more experience. This, yes, this was his first show. So is it rougher because it's his first show or is it rougher because the format just doesn't fit it as well? Right. Because I feel like hour long shows, you do, you can take those more. You can have more of the dramedy. You can have more of the serious drama. You can have whatever. Sitcoms are, or half hour shows are pretty much supposed to be sitcoms. They're not really supposed to deal with serious subjects. Yeah. You know, so I feel like the half hour um, format is a little less giving and Sorkin still tried to do what he did in his hour-long shows yeah. in a half hour. Mm-hmm. I would be interested to see if he ever did a half hour now, how it compared. Yeah. Maybe we'll see it one day. Who oh, no, I think he's sworn off TV. Well, if he keeps starting yeah. movies, I guess. That's that. Write something, Sorkin. Like, I I liked it. I didn't love it, but I liked it. Okay. Um, Janelle, will you finish watching it, or are you just done and completely glad that it's over? I mean... I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's, well, it's. It, I more say I don't know because I don't have TV and it's not on Netflix. If I had the DVD set for permanent like, maybe. But they're yours and I'm not going to keep them. So. But if you ever feel the hankering to watch it, you can borrow them again. I don't think there's ever going to be a hankering. Okay. But I did like it. Okay. It's just, it's one of those things that... It, it really feels like one of those shows that I would stumble onto somebody else watching and I would sit down because I want to, you know, like, kindle the relationship between me and that person, you know, like, I, because I'd want to hang out with them, not because I want to watch the show. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? if you're over at my place, I can make you watch it a little bit some more. But that's yeah. what I'm hearing. <laughs> that, already... that, that is, that's the only point I took out of this conversation. Yeah. You've already made her watch 10 episodes. I don't think it. <laughs> But as far as is uh, not the West Wing, we're not watching that. No, we might. This show, Sports Night. Sports Night I, I don't know. It just if I were hanging out with people, yeah. Okay. To go on my own, probably not. Today. That's a lot better than Gossip Girl got. So I think you should be happy. Yeah, but I expected this to be a little bit more up her alley than Gossip Girl. Uh, that's true. It was a little bit more up my alley. Right. Anything's yeah. a little bit more up my alley right. than Gossip Girl. <laughs> <laughs> I felt there was potential for her to like this. And yes. I did. Okay. I did. You don't get it. I am so entrenched in my my little niche, you know, area of fantasy and sci-fi that that's what I'm going to go to. That doesn't mean that I, if I don't get super giddy over something else, that doesn't mean I don't like it or that I, I did not enjoy watching it. Right. No, I understand that that's what you're going to go to. I the just... stuff that's comfortable for me is what I'm going to. Mm-hmm. to right care about continue watching right but see yeah i'm just hoping that we can introduce you to some show though yeah though it's not one of your go-to's you'll then want to continue to watch Mm -hmm. well i mean you guys have i want that to happen you have already just outside of this show because parks and rec parks and rec oh parks and oh my goodness i love parks and rec yeah and that was because you guys so does that make you feel good Yes, but I still wanted it to happen with Sports Night because I love the show. <laughs> We're going to win. Yeah, that's, I guess that's why you do it. Oh, my gosh. Like, well, Sports Ever- Night is probably one of my top five shows. Really? And, yeah, yes, and be, and has been since I was 15 years old. Interesting. So it's, 
a show that means a lot to me. Right. And um, when you love something that much, you want everybody else right. to love it just as much. Right. I totally understand that feeling. You can find Sports Night on Hulu. Um, and you can also check out your local library, you know. They have a lot of free stuff. They do. It's great. So after much debate and, and sorrow and sweat and blood and tears on my part, um, I'm going to release my baby upon um, Kim and Elizabeth, one of which is excited about. The other, I think, is mildly optimistic, <laughs> more just sarcastic. Um, that would be Kim, if you're not sure, because we are going to watch... Farscape, a delightfully campy for a while until it gets heartbreaking Australian sci-fi show. It is available on Netflix, probably on Hulu too, I don't know. DVDs, all that good stuff. Your local library. Your local li- actually I don't know that your local library would have this. You never know. <laughs> Always you check your local check. library. And also, some local libraries allow you to request items and like my hometown library allowed patron each patron to request up to five items a year. Nice. So they would order it for you if you asked. So oh yeah, interlibrary loan. We're, are we just gonna like rep libraries right now? We Every are episode. We are library <laughs> students, so we say in union except for Elizabeth. Apparently. They had it covered. <laughs> so Farscape is up. We're gonna be watching the first five episodes. Unless you want to watch six, I don't know. Forewarning, the pilot's terrible. So, that is it. And Elizabeth, you want to tell us all where we are located at? You can find us on our website, iloveitdontyou.wordpress.com. And from there, you'll find our other social media. And we're also on Twitter at iloveitdontyou. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you.